0: On this episode, we talk to the founders of Dungeon Tape, so stay tuned. If you're enjoying these episodes, first, I want to thank you for your listenership. Your support means the world to me. And for those of you who are just tuning in to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and after this episode, leave us an honest review. Hopefully, it's a five-star review, but leave us an honest review. Your reviews actually help me... Um, gauge what you all want in the audience but your reviews especially when they're a five star help the channel grow so be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave that review all right we're live man how you doing
1: doing pretty well doing pretty well just enjoying a couple nice rainy days here in texas cool i off hear a that bit. man
0: Cheers, yeah. by the way. I know uh, we're, ha- we're both having some drinks. Nothing cool. like
1: good ice water.
0: That's right. That's Actually, I'm drinking some tea right now. Uh, that's yeah. what well, keeps me going.
1: You're in North Carolina, right?
0: Correct, yes. I'm you're obligated Charlotte. to
1: drink sweet tea.
0: You know, okay, for my southern uh-huh. friends, I, I hate to say this, I um, do not like sweet tea.
1: We're getting the, the hot gossip immediately on this podcast.
0: I know, we really are. I, mm. I just think it's too sugary, especially mm-hmm. like they... Mm-hmm. It's all the sugars, all the sugar that one can find is just dumped. In sweet so
1: tea. you don't like culture is what you're telling me. Pretty
0: much. Yeah. I'm an uncultured mm. swine.
1: No, So unsweet tea, how, how does it taste to, how does it feel to drink uh, garbage? Well, it's actually, I'm it just kidding. I, I'm, I'm on board with you, but I'm just, <laughs> no, just messing with you. No, <laughs> you're good, man. You're good. No, it's,
0: and that's the thing, man. Like being Cuban growing up in Miami, like mm-hmm. sweet tea was not a thing.
1: Right, it yeah. was like, what is this
0: like? And when we moved here, I remember actually, I remember when we first moved to Charlotte, um and we went to a Chick Fil A. That mm-hmm. was an experience that mm-hmm. we we were just, you know, when they said "my pleasure" and were being really nice, and and we were like, what, what, mm-hmm. like, are you, what the hell is this, man? Like, <laughs> where you from? like, no offense to folks in Miami, but when I was growing up, man, not people weren't as nice. Right. Like, oh, you want a sandwich? Here's yeah. a sandwich. What, yeah, what else do you want from me? Like piss off go away <laughs> my next yeah, customer yeah but
1: man, it's
0: good to have you on the show man i really Thanks. appreciate it. i know we've been interacting on instagram and whatnot mm-hmm. and we've been collabing on a couple of things i believe uh with some mutual friends of ours who have been on the show before but for the folks in the audience that may or may not know you joshua can you please introduce yourself
1: yeah my name uh my name is joshua cade and i am the designer and founder of dungeon tape which is a map making tool, uh, primarily for Dungeons and Dragons, but any tabletop role playing game. Um, it is just low stick tape that you can put down designed to uh, look like walls and stairs and wood planks and a few other map making elements just to make uh, map making easier. Um, essentially my whole intention with Dungeon Tape and me and the, uh, the D&D community is, I like to kind of be help people express their creativity more, uh, mm-hmm. be kind of like a catalyst for, for taking what they have in their head and getting it down onto either paper or uh, battle grids, so to speak. So, okay. So yeah, that's kind of uh, what, what, what the role I've, I've taken up in the community and dungeon tape is the product that I've uh, started selling. I ran a successful Kickstarter a few months ago. Yeah, that was I kind of that, my man. first, uh, that was my first uh Co- like isolating from COVID project.
0: Yeah, this is it's uh, man. By the way, that Kickstarter I I saw it and it was it was really interesting because I feel like you're one of the only individuals in the community that has that product right now where you can yes. quite literally take you can quite literally create terrain in a matter of moments, mm-hmm. which is great because if you're a traveling DM, especially like you mentioned COVID. A lot mm-hmm. of people are doing things online, which is great, but it's also going to start shifting back to in-person. I know I've already DM'd a couple of in-person games yep. and it's been great because everyone's kind of socially distanced. It's smaller mm-hmm. groups and mm-hmm. everyone's on different sides of the table. Yep. So as a DM, it's great. But I think to myself, man, like I wish I could have had some type of like, you know, terrain piece that I could quite literally just plug and play mm-hmm. in a matter of seconds.
1: I'm. Um, I mean... It's in my self interest to also want that because I'm selling this, but, uh, but I do think that people are going to get used to the, the customization of a lot of the roll 20 assets and want that in game. So I think a lot of, um, a lot of the more approachable and affordable like map making elements are gonna, I think they're really going to take off when people start meeting up in person again. Um, not just dungeon tape, although that would be nice to corner the whole market, I guess, but uh there's a lot of great products out there 1985 games has some really nice map tiles and stuff like that i think yeah they do do well
0: they they do and that and that's the beauty of the community man we lift each Mm -hmm. other up so no matter what part of the industry we're gonna lift we're gonna lift one another up oh yeah it's it's not a zero-sum
1: game and this this pie is growing for everybody so yeah dude it's, it's great
0: it's a huge industry that I've talked about before where it's a multi, you know, multi-billion dollar industry. But mm-hmm. part of the the beauty of it is that we all, you know, we come together and we lift each other up. And mm-hmm. one thing that I wanted, and, and I ask very often, but um, when did you start playing tabletop games? You know, you, you're you talking about D and D you're talking about tabletop in general, how this product works, but take us back a little
1: bit, take us yeah. back to
0: when you first started playing D and D and tabletop. Um,
1: are you going to uh, edit in the montage music after the, is, is I, that in post? I the, could do that. Ooh, yeah. I, I
0: definitely could. <laughs> like wind chimes as
1: well. Yeah, I think, I think um, now's the time for that. Mm-hmm. So take you back uh, about four years. I was, okay. I was, is when I started, I was, I was 30 years old and I was in a really boring office job. And my best friend had been in, he was in Austin I was in Oklahoma City so we were kind of separate mm-hmm. but we talked all the time and he was kind of in a similar boring job situation and we thought you know what screw it we've always wanted to play D&D mm-hmm. so let's just figure out how we'd kind of for years talked to like friends of ours who had played before and we just never met a, a schedule, scheduling problems mm-hmm. and uh so we decided you know what screw those people who know how to play like we're adults. We'll learn how D and D works ourselves. And uh, <laughs> at the time, my office job was so boring, and so I had yeah. basically eight and a half, nine hours a day where I could just listen to podcasts,
0: which is pretty much the whole workday. Yeah. Yes, I it was a,
1: a truly awful. It was a good job. They had no work for me, so it was just me at a desk waiting for someone to give me work.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Um,
1: I've been there, man. Yeah, which was fine. I, I listened to all of the Adventure Zone, like in a, in a <laughs> nice. month or two. And <laughs> nice. so then I basically learned the rules of D&D. And then he and I started playing over Skype, just uh, me as DM and him as the only player. Oh, cool. Yeah, so we just cool. did a two-person D&D game and it was a lot of fun. And then uh, then we we kind of both, that game kind of fizzled out and we made our own in-person groups in our respective cities. Cool. And so that was about four years ago, four or okay. five years ago now. And then I ran my own campaign in Oklahoma City for about two years. And he's been running a game here in Austin since then. And I moved to Austin about a year ago and jumped in, like, playing in person with them.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So, so do you still DM virtually for your other group?
1: Now and then. Uh, I've done a couple one-offs with them. But uh, we, once, I, once our kind of, like, game ended... I think everyone started stopped reserving that night for D and D, and so it's hard to get everyone to have a have the night free. I think that's the I think that's the real big big bad in Dungeons and Dragons is, yeah. is scheduling.
0: The big bad evil is truly time. you yeah. uh, That that's really the big bad evil, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how you beat D and D.
1: Yeah, there. yeah. But that's it, it's been fun. Uh, my campaigns that I DM'd were always kind of a little more on the the. F- fun goofy side and then yeah. my friend always DM'd like uh he was super custom but like hard fantasy and i've always really loved like that dichotomy like mm-hmm. after dming goofy campaigns for a few years it's been awesome to jump in where like uh like elves and orcs like playing through basically the forgotten realms
0: yeah no and and you, it's funny that you mentioned that because i i've been a part of a couple of campaigns where it was just kind of like funny slapstick where it's just mm-hmm. really you know zany to you know for the lack of better words and it's really fun and then there's the more serious campaign where and i've dm'd both Mm -hmm. i've dm'd the you know players want to go and have some fun ruffle some feathers and just kind of because it's just a fun game and and it's just a fun time to be around with friends and then you have the serious players who are like yeah I have a three or four page backstory Mm -hmm. highly, you know, high deep, you know, all this really intrinsic detail of, you know, this is why I don't like elves and it's like, okay, (laughs) cool. I can work with Uh that too. So it is true. I do. And I understand where you're coming from, man. Like Mm -hmm. I like the balance of both.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and any good table is, I mean, like the the best way of describing D and D to people I have found is just it's a it's improvised it's collaborative storytelling, mm-hmm. and so yep. it definitely isn't about the campaign itself. I mean, forcing a campaign on players is never going to work out great for sure. Um, but yeah, it was kind of interesting to watch both of the two separate campaigns basically start from similar places and evolve in different play uh, to evolve to different entities because mm-hmm. of just the just the people involved and kind of what what struck the player's fancy. And then we grew separate ways. It was really, it was really interesting to watch. Two two really awesome uh, campaigns and stories, really.
0: Now, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that you DM'd, you know, it was that, you know, kind of solo player, right? Mm-hmm. What yeah. was your experience like with that? How did you like that?
1: Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was, I mean, besides bad internet connections and both being complete amateurs in D D. like we i made i made all the rookie mistakes uh he was like level two and he got like three wondrous items he had like iron stones for nice. like any occasion and just i just kept throwing prizes at him and then and then um just not not balancing any encounters very well
0: yeah uh, I hear which that. I,
1: I guess is hard for one person anyway because the CR, uh, ranking system is for, not for a party of one. Um, but I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. And that's cool. You know, I, I actually have told a lot of folks, I encourage them to do a one-on-one session, even just one, just try one.
1: I think it's, I don't know if it would have worked had he and I not been like good friends and it mm. was like storytelling with a friend we kind of knew each other enough to to trust and riff off of each other
0: for sure we um, have, to have but, that comfort level
1: yes but i but i highly suggest one person campaigns to uh any i was going to say couples and friends but i'm not going to i don't know if a couple like living with the person you're you're dming with is a great idea but hey you know worth a shot maybe
0: yeah i it's a roll of the dice no pun intended. I mean yeah. at that point <laughs> it's kind of like okay if you know if I'm just trying to think like if my wife played D&D mm-hmm. she would probably like I don't know right? cuz she's never played. That's the mm-hmm. ironic thing. Like mm-hmm. I talk about this all the time and 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 it's not that she's not interested it's just like I mean she's a teacher. So mm-hmm. she's pretty much like just doing she's doing a better and bigger thing than me playing D and D, in my opinion, yeah, at least, yeah. like she's she she's actually changing lives here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> While I'm like, yeah. hey, play this D and D game with me. She's, she's like, okay,
1: keeps grading. Yeah, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but
0: but yeah, I mean, I think it's sure
1: little... sure sure sure. I'm gonna go affect society real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's I've much. been dealing with that too. Like early on in, in this pandemic. So my sister is a. She works at a hospital in Houston. She's oh, wow. a registered nurse, but she's kind of in mani- uh, management for uh, disease control and prevention within the hospital. Oh, wow. Which is like front and center for COVID, yep. apparently. Yeah. Uh, and so early on in this pandemic, I was talking to my mom, and my mom was like, How are you? What are you? what are you up to i'm like oh i'm good uh just working on this kickstarter thing i'm drawing a goblin right now she's like cool cool cool, cool. uh caitlin just was on the news for inventing uh a way to wash n95 masks to help ho- out hospitals i'm like oh no yeah. yeah maybe i'll draw two goblins today i don't <laughs> know like that's, that's great <laughs> yeah like gg bro right yeah which is awesome very proud of my sister. Yeah, of course. Love, love the family, but it was. I've, I've definitely been dealing with the uh, how do I make dungeon tape and contribute to the community in a positive way mm-hmm. and not just like, hey, look at my goblins I drew, or like, <laughs> look at all this tape. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I mean, I, I, I hope, I think that, I don't want to say that we're not affecting society as much as my sister and your wife. Well, maybe we're contributing. No, we, we're,
0: we're, we're, you know, and this is to joke lightly, you know, mm-hmm. we got to yeah. laugh at things at a, at a point in time, but we do, if, you know, we've created a, uh, we have a community and we've created mm-hmm. even deeper bonds within the community. And yeah. I would say that everyone in the community, whether you are a content creator, whether you have a podcast, whatever mm-hmm. you're doing, um, whether you're making products, or you're just kind of like there consuming the product you're a part of the community and you have value Mm -hmm. so like and and you affect the community in a positive way or in a negative way but in this case like in a positive way like if if you're doing something if you're even if you comment and say hey nice you know nice whatever mm -hmm. nice paint job or not you know with minis or whatever
1: i'm going to start commenting nice whatever
0: Hey, really? <laughs> you should nice, whatever. And then we'll know everyone yeah. will know. It's like, Oh man, I heard that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, our, that's, great promotion that's a new dude. phrase.
1: Um, but yeah, no, I, I firmly believe that uh, this community, I'm not, I don't not only believe this, but I'm inspired by just how positive this community is. And it is a place where like I treat every comment and uh, people like com- sending me messages and stuff as like a, an opportunity to increase the positivity in this whole group. Yeah. Um, sure. Cause even if a message is mundane or just like, or, or a comment is just, you know, a couple, like just a, a foot in the door of conversation. Like I assume everyone is stressed out and that they're coming here to de-stress a little bit. And I think For you sure. have a very similar view on the, on the D and D and tabletop uh, com- gaming community. For and sure. I think, that's, I think that's the best part
0: about this community. That's probably honestly the reason why I'm still in the community Yeah, is because of that. Um, mm-hmm the the thing about tabletop is that and especially in D&D you can become your own island. You can essentially yeah. create your own island and whoever your players are, all right, you have your players and you can mm-hmm. kind of have this you know continuous campaign. You don't you really don't even need a module. You you mm-hmm. if you homebrew everything like I do, I could quite honestly have my players and say, "Yep, I don't need the, I don't need the the, the overextending community. I'm just going to play and do my own thing and just, Mm -hmm. you know, be on my own, you know, be on my jolly way. Right. But that's not what community is about. Community Mm -hmm. is about sharing and interacting with one another and you get, and as a kind of secondary aspect, so to speak, you learn something from the community you grow in a way.
1: Mm -hmm. It's nice to have a group that you can come to when you're excited about something or whenever you're upset.
0: Very true. And and that's one thing that I personally I personally just find it very difficult when other people aren't when they're when and, and again, I'm not trying to sound negative, mm-hmm. but there are other people in the community that it's not all perfect, right? Um and when they try to nitpick certain things about someone else in the community, mm-hmm. it's like, come on, like yeah. we're all here to just enjoy it, have fun and get together. Let's kind of leave that, unless it's constructive criticism for the benefit of that person, so right. therefore make a better product or make a better whatever, mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, if that's going to be the term today, whatever that thing may be, okay, constructive criticism is good as long as it's building up the person. Yeah. Sometimes we take that as negativity or we take that as a negative, you know, approach or a negative mm-hmm. outcome, but it's taken as negative.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm all for, I mean, constructive criticism and being positive. And I think that does sometimes easily slip into toxic positivity, but I've not really seen that in this community. That's one thing I Could like about you explain about that community.
0: term? I don't, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know no, what that term is. No, you're fine.
1: Toxic positivity is the, like when people post, basically saying something is wonderful and then like everything is perfect and there's no need for improvement. Oh. And like, oh, okay. uh, or anything you do is wonderful. Like, uh, ah, okay. like uh, if someone posts a picture of a mini they painted and like maybe it's not the best, like a good post or a positive post is like, hey, that looks awesome. Like you're doing good work, like keep going. But toxic yeah. positivity is like, you're the best mini painter ever. And it's like, well, that's oh. obviously untrue.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: uh it's just like i that's so like it's so difficult. much hyperbole in that positive comment that yeah. i don't trust it
0: it's a false sense of posit- uh, of positivity only, right yeah where it's like okay you're you know if that person believes that they are the best mini painter then now you just contributed to the ego you know exactly and, and it's kind of not to get all, you know, you know, talk about stoicism and everything, mm-hmm. but it's, it's kind of similar in that vein of like, okay, you just influence their ego and therefore not really keeping it to the realistic thing. Like, yeah. I know I'm not a great mini painter, I'll tell mm-hmm. you that much, um, but
1: I know that- No, I, you you're know, the we... best mini painter in the world. Oh. You are unbelievable, oh. Brian. You're the greatest.
0: Well- this is the best podcast I've ever had.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, but that's yeah. the thing,
0: like we can all, there's always continuous improvement as well. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that you recognize, you know, a lot of people recognize that. And I, and I like that actually. I, I never heard that term toxic positivity, mm-hmm. um, but I, I have seen it before. I have definitely yeah. seen it where it's like, the, and not only in this community, but I think it's just, I feel like it's a result of people having faced, A lot of negativity where people Mm -hmm. try to inject positivity to kind of balance it and that's where it's kind of like is that truly necessary or is that truly the thing we should we ought to do
1: right yeah we don't need to i mean this is now now this sounds weird to say in terms of uh fantasy games but we don't need to construct that fantasy around ourselves Mm -hmm. Like we do need to be grounded in reality. Like nothing is the worst in the world. Nothing is the best. And yeah, keeping yeah. people grounded is is great.
0: And that's and that's and it's funny that you mentioned that too because even from a D and D perspective, even from a tabletop perspective, like yes, mm-hmm. it's still gaming. But if you are a home brewer, a world builder, whatever it may be, you still do ground your world in some form of reality, even mm-hmm. if it's a fantasy world. Yeah. So a lot of the things that result. Um, in the real world can result in your fantasy game, whatever that may be. So I I do see um, the connection there. I think, and I think you're onto something, man. I think you, uh, I think you're definitely onto something, but in that same vein, you know, we're talking about D and D and you know, from a lot of things that, you know, we talked about off air, but also from our kind of mini groups and whatnot, like I I love to world build. And I Mm know you were mentioning earlier that now you're playing for your friend. Mm -hmm. Now with the high fantasy aspect that your friend uh, DMs in that style, how do you incorporate that into your own DMing style? Or how do you even um, kind of add your own flair to that Mm -hmm. when you're building your world and collaborating with your friends?
1: Um, Well... uh my dm one he's fantastic and two uh we really kind of workshop the idea of and this is something he and i have like talked about over the years the importance of creating a world but just kind of the outline of a world and Mm -hmm. then filling in the gaps as players like give you ideas and like move to those areas sort of thing like you create the like the, the low poly world that shows up yeah, in like yeah. worldview on a map and then all the, all the details will fill in later. And so- uh,
0: Kind of create skeleton, so to
1: speak. Correct, yeah. And, and really what we've come around to is you're not cr- really creating an outline of what will be there. You're creating a framework for your characters to improv with.
0: Mm, and I like so that. you're
1: you're creating, um, uh, I guess in science it's called scaffolding, right? Okay. So you're creating a blank- a blank scaffold with like a generic name or something for your players to uh, riff off of you with and improv with you with and like collectively story build into those areas. And it's been a really work in progress over the past few years for he and I to find that right balance. Because initially he and I wanted to write every character, every city, the history of all of them, like their parents' name, their grandparents' names and where everyone came from. And, you know, the, the rookie mistake of over planning. And then someone is just like, I don't care. I'm going to make friends with this rock over here. You're like, well, shit, I didn't write the history of that rock. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's we've boulder. Like yeah, exactly. Bolder. And then you're like, I didn't expect this to be a boulder centric campaign. Damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but yeah, over the years, he and I have like through our, uh, like uh, beer talks afterwards, talking about world For building, sure. it's, it's so much more fun to, basically create um yeah uh, create something for your players to help grow through and um it's been interesting seeing both of our campaigns his more high fantasy and mine I mean, i'll just say mine was in a city called las vegas and was casino based we can get into that later but that gives you the I idea of it. my campaign um so his kind of world and then las vegas both of them were constructed in very similar ways. We both kind of made the general idea and then like, gave that as a gift to our players and then they added to it and gave it back to us. Um, it's a fine line. It only comes with experience, I think, and like letting go of um, control, mm. I think. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, one, of My favorite thing about D&D is as a player, like getting surprised by situations. And I think that's true for me as a DM as well. Like I love getting surprised by what, the players add to the world or do in the world, and so uh, maintaining complete control, I think, kind of negates the ability to be surprised, and then that makes it less fun.
0: I think also when you have complete control, you are you're not really being open to the possibilities of better ideas from your mm-hmm. players.
1: Yeah, yeah, you you are limiting their experience as well. They're yep playing along a railroad essentially, and not uh, storytelling. And it sucks.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna be honest, a railroad sucks. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the storytelling sense. Like yeah. um, and actually, I actually I I was looking off camera because I was writing down your quote. I will definitely mm. quote you on this. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said about creating a framework to improvise in. Mm-hmm. And that's that's so true because oftentimes we see um individuals, DMs, players, whether it's f- through a stream or through, you know, a video on demand or whatever it mm-hmm. may be, right? we see how this thing is kind of perfectly orchestrated. Mm-hmm. And although that's beautiful, the orchestration can almost be a downfall because you are kind of restricting your own creativity in these kind of, you know, this bounded area mm-hmm. or this bounded yeah. world because you're playing in a stream or you're playing in a in a type of game where it's being produced for the public. Yeah. Yeah. and i i feel like if and and that's one of the reasons i don't stream is mm-hmm. because i know myself well enough that i would want because we're telling a story i'd want that story to have some sort of you know narrative right well, sometimes in a game and you know this you don't get narrative on a, in mm-hmm. a session all the time yeah. it's not it's not going to be 100% you know narration and all this other stuff you're going to get a, you're going to get a session where all the players want to do is spend their gold on you know beer uh-huh yeah and other yeah. things
1: yeah you don't get the the plot arc that everybody wants from from an episode
0: yep yeah sometimes no. it's a shopping episode mm-hmm. it's a filler as the as you see in the anime uh yeah. community it's it's a filler mm-hmm. episode and that's what and sometimes that's that's okay but it, yeah. How do you balance that if if you, you know, as a dungeon master, mm-hmm. if you were talking to yourself or talking to someone who would want to start streaming and whatnot, mm-hmm. how do you balance that? How do you balance the, and even if you don't want to stream, I think this question could, you know, reach beyond, but how do you balance between that narration and what the players want mm-hmm. and kind of have that all together?
1: Um, well, I started out by trying to, have that conversation with them saying like, hey, mm-hmm. do we want to just sit down and goof off or do we want to create a story? And I, my first instinct on all of this way early on was to have that conversation early and then kind of like we all work towards it. Mm-hmm. And then that uh devolved instantly. <laughs> that just disintegrated and it ended up just being, we all just agreed that the reason, the impetus for us playing D&D together was just to hang out as friends,
0: for sure. So have in, that in my, the aspect.
1: Yeah, and so um, another podcast I listened to early on that gave me an important lesson that's pertinent here is Nerd Poker. If you've listened to that one,
0: no, I haven't.
1: It's uh, it's it's really great. Uh, the Sark, the DM, is f- absolutely fantastic. Um,
0: What's the snark?
1: A uh, uh, Sark. Oh, S A R K, I think. S A R K. But the main guy, uh, Brian Posehn, is an actor and comedian. Uh, you would probably recognize him if you saw him. Wow.
0: He has glasses, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I him know. and his friends that have been playing D&D for years. Oh, cool. That's yeah. awesome. But the biggest thing I take away I had from that is the reason they call it nerd poker is because it's just a nerdy way of sitting around a table with your friends.
0: Yeah. It's a it's then, the poker night, but for nerds.
1: Yeah. And so... How I how I approached the do we want to have a like a plot arc every time or just goof off, was I basically all of our players just agreed all we want to do is sit around and drink with friends. Yeah. And So at that point, after trying to force it for a few a story for a few months, I just said eh, screw it. You know what? I'm just gonna come up with. Um, I'm not. I'm never gonna write actions for these people to take. I'm gonna yeah. make interesting cities and interesting like, gangs and other entities mm-hmm. that are just doing stuff in the world. And like, if the players disagree with what they're doing, they could try to stop them or they can just exist. And so then I just started creating more, uh, like two entities that react to each other and mm-hmm. the players can get involved or not. And that ended up being more fun. Hmm. I don't know if that
0: I like that approach though, because yeah. it's it's really, you know, in my, and this is something that mm-hmm. I don't want to say I recommend to players or to DMS who are, or players who are transitioning to DMS, mm-hmm. because I'm the type of person that I I do like to write certain, you know, a rich history, mm-hmm. but as I've been DMing, for some time now and again recently and with, with, you know, and in, in the, during the COVID uh, pandemic and mm-hmm. whatnot, it's like, okay, a lot of folks just want to have fun, whether it's telling a story or whether it's just kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. goofing around doing whatever I need to kind of draw that back and say, mm-hmm. kind of like your approach, have the interesting stuff that's mm-hmm. there and everything else is just kind of, you know, it, it's not as important. Yeah. If they if want, someone them, shows interest. It can be exactly if someone yeah. shows interest. You're absolutely right. If someone shows interest in it, we can go there. But it's yeah. enough that someone can go there and feel confident enough to um, to approach that.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's that would be my advice as well. And put more succinctly than my rambling answer. Um, no,
0: I'm the king of rambling, bro. Don't worry. <laughs> good.
1: Uh, we might have to duke it out by rambling at each other. Ah, um, ramble off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that also touches on one thing that Daniel, my uh, best friend and DM, mm-hmm. and I've talked about a lot, is um, making one of, our, one of the biggest problems with like, the overwritten uh, campaign or entity is not mm-hmm. that there's so much history to it, It's just that there's nothing stands out for players to latch on to. And so there's no like particular defining element. Uh, Like if we were talking about um, like, let's just boil it down to if you had all those notes on a sheet of paper, like if it's just all one long paragraph, nothing stands out. But if you have a couple headings or like some bold text here and there, people like players can focus on those. And so like, for instance, uh, this one city that we've spent a lot of our campaign in called Calderi um there's a lot going on seaside town lots of stuff in it but one thing that daniel made sure to do is the people in this town are really concerned with fashion so every time we come there people are wearing like a different like big goofy hat or like Mm -hmm. oh now everyone's wearing like like a fur coat that's dyed purple and like, Oh, dyed red, gross. And so that's like, that's like a fun fact that like, I'm sure he has a long history of why this town is interested in fashion. We haven't investigated at all, but like, that's a thing that we can latch onto and say, Oh yeah, Caldery. That's the town obsessed with fashion. Got it. And so I do think even if you want to write a ton, that's totally cool because like a lot of people, that's how they enjoy the game. And you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that at times too, but it's, and players want to like enjoy that history, but they need something to latch onto.
0: And yeah, so having absolutely. like one
1: or two defining elements for an NPC or a town is super important. Um, I, and, and
0: that's, I love how you bring that up, man, because mm-hmm. I feel that players and it's, and I'm talking from my own experience as mm-hmm. a player, I don't care about the house, you know, Let's use Game of Thrones, right? House mm-hmm. Martell. Why mm-hmm. do we like House Martell, or why do we like House Stark? What mm-hmm. latches us onto that? Well, winter is coming. House Stark. Like those words, huh? Yes. Makes you think, winter is coming. What are they all? You know, it it mm-hmm. kind of starts the avalanche of questions, yep. and yep. then another thing lat- you latch onto, and then another, and then another. Mm-hmm. Same thing with House Martell and House Lannister. All the different houses, like. I don't necessarily care too much about the houses, but it brought me, I I started to care and invest in it when I started to have something to hold on to.
1: Right. And then that, and once you get that thing to hold on to, then you as a player can start making assumptions about them. Yep. And that helps the DM out. They're like, Oh yeah, of course. Like all of their horses are clad in gold. That's typical Lannister. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. A player just made that up, but like, you know what? Run with it. It fits yeah
0: absolutely you know Mm -hmm. in in my world um there's this continent called visdain and Mm -hmm. they are old norse kind of you know they they worship the old norse pantheon and and they they call them the old gods um which technically they're not but that's what they call them Mm -hmm. but they're extremely traditional in the regards Mm of um magic religious magic versus um they call it spirit magic okay they they in their minds Although they do have, you know, they they justify druids and they justify clerics and paladins and all that as servants of the gods or those mm-hmm. chosen by the gods, mm-hmm. because for for most people, you know, the Norse pantheon is is you know there a lot of the gods take on ownership of a lot of different things. Right. But in in Visdain, they feel that well, if you know these other gods are kind of i wouldn't i i don't try to understand it we just know the you know these gods like odin and all this other stuff and if if you try to perform magic in the streets they would look at you weird
1: Mm -hmm. because
0: it's not it doesn't have any religious connotation to it Mm -hmm. it doesn't have a religious tie to it so i like that that, yeah it's it's something that i thought to myself that i said okay you know they're not saying that magic is illegal, but they're saying that if you're not using it for a religious context, mm-hmm. why are you doing this?
1: Yeah. And then just that one little thing you said, like they give you looks, like mm-hmm. that's that's a hook enough. That's a beautiful hook for someone to experience that town and say, it's "Oh, subtle. I get it." It's and, very and, and then, subtle. Yeah, that makes it memorable, and then players know how to react.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I, I do that. I like that. I appreciate it, man. Because yeah, that's great. It, it's one of those things that, oftentimes, as a world builder, as a DM, and and I feel that a world builder can be both as a player and a DM. Absolutely. I, I fully believe that you, as a player, if you're not doing this already, start doing it now. Take mm-hmm. your character and start asking your care. You know, ask yourself mm-hmm. the questions of. You know, if they're in a town full of magic how would they react what are mm-hmm. their thoughts on on this 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 and that actually i'm coming you know we're kind of a, actually you're yeah, the first one i've spoken about so about this we're coming out with a product um mm-hmm. here at the Beater nerd where it's going to be a world building type sheet for players where it asks, oh, cool. it's cool it's about like it, it might be a hundred questions or so I, oh. I i'm playing around with it mm-hmm. uh, um where it goes and says hey you know, what are your thoughts? What are your character's thoughts on this, 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 and that Yeah. world builder, in my opinion, is someone player or DM who contributes to the construction of the world and create and therefore create the story and the narrative yep. and builds upon one another.
1: That's the collaboration part of the collaborative storytelling. You're not story receiving You're collaborative storytelling.
0: I like yeah. that, man. I'm you're full. Of quotes, man, <laughs> man. I'm going to, I got to quote you on all that. Because it's yeah. true, you're not just receiving. Yeah, you're receiving, but you're also giving. You're you're mm-hmm. telling a story as just as much as you are receiving. a yeah. form of narrative. Yeah. How do you think then? Like, what is your opinion on? And I, I asked this some, you know, often enough. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like to. Um, I know that folks really love the modules that have been coming out by official D and D, official Pathfinder. You know, the the more official type modules. What do you think about those in regards to um, homebrewing and being a world builder? How, how do you, how would you categorize that? Do you think they're helpful or do you think they kind of, you know, steer you off a different path?
1: Um, I think they're helpful very much. So, uh, only in that I know a lot of times in my world building and homebrew, Mm-hmm. Like there's times when I'm stressed out from work or just like, I'm just not creative.
0: Yeah. Okay. And yeah.
1: then, so I can definitely, then I can go to the, the minds of Fandelver or Fandelvar, whatever. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, kind of read through it and just take, start taking elements like, all right, cool. This is a big chunk. This, I know this like little dungeon is balanced. And mm-hmm. so I'll just plop this in my game, like scrub a few names and then yeah. that'll buy me some time. And then maybe something really good will like happen in there, like with the players, and then that'll inspire me to run a different direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, I think they're very good. I think they, anything that'll help people make that transition from player to DM to start realizing like, oh, this is a lot of fun and you can be creative. I think that's helpful and ha- certainly has a place in this community what's your favorite um, module honestly never ran one i've okay. only picked i've only picked in uh like pieces out of them you should check um, them I've, I've been meaning to uh that's especially the, as,
0: a, as a time of recording it's almost halloween it's almost yeah like, almost spooky season as they say yeah
1: the the um the group that i'm playing with here in austin they ran through Curse of Strahd oh, nice. a few months before I moved down here, Okay. And so I didn't quite. So I've heard a lot about it, and I've listened to uh, podcasts where they play through it, but I haven't played through it myself yet. It's a good. Um,
0: it's a good one, man. I actually mm-hmm. did a three-part review on Curse of Strahd where yeah. I I broke it down and kind of said, "Listen, if you're thinking about playing Curse of Strahd, this is what to expect. This is mm-hmm. what you should look into, and mm-hmm. you should kind of have this type of attitude." And one thing that I really try to focus, it, you know, focus on rather, mm-hmm. is if you're going to play a module and you're doing, and you're homebrewing, something mm-hmm. that I personally do. And actually, I'd love to get your opinion on this uh, as, as a fellow DM, mm-hmm. I like to use them and you brought something perfect as a, as a pause, so to speak, to the creative side of your brain that sometimes mm-hmm. just needs inspiration. Yeah plug it into your world, and you can write an excuse of like, oh, the party, you've just been cast into another dimension. Yeah. And now you're in the world of Eberron. Mm-hmm. And now you play the Eberron world, and you're like, oh, cool. Now we got to not only find a reason why we're in this world, yeah. we got to defeat this person before we can even go back to our world.
1: Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm.
0: play in that world, and then all of a sudden get transported into – you know I don't know um, wildmount for some reason right. you're traveling the coast, and all of a sudden your ship is in a storm, and then you end up in wildmount, you know something of that nature. Mm-hmm. How do you view those type of situations and how would you how would you incorporate modules into your own world
1: um i I think anything you can do to Basically, create an instance where people have to fill in the blanks. Like Mm -hmm. you, like kind of you were saying, you were here, and now you're in Eberron. Yeah. And then, like filling in that blank spurs creativity. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. I really like that as I I, I can see that as not only like taking a pause to inspire yourself as the DM, but as the players too. Like just I like to throw them for a loop now and then, just to see how they would react. And I think modules probably, especially I'm thinking particularly of shorter modules. Could do that really well uh, I can see yeah. longer ones maybe detracting from the game unless unless you're in a campaign that's just floundering and that happens a lot absolutely And then just like saying you know what all right we're just gonna do this long campaign and we'll see what comes out of it
0: absolutely I think actually curse of straw would be one of those mm-hmm. modules to start it's like your session zero it's yeah really long ass session zero mm-hmm. but it's a set it's that type of game where yeah you go from level one through ten you know at the end of it if you survive then you start adventuring together as an adventuring group who have a lot of history together Mm -hmm. so when the npc king or queen because again level 10 kings and queens should know you um, or should they should at least recognize you in your own kingdom um, they start to say hey you i heard that you defeated you know this person mm-hmm. and or how did you get to you know how did you all start adventuring together mm-hmm. you have that backstory of yeah persis right
1: yep i think uh, that's to, a
0: good example
1: to a smaller extent i have always tried whenever i start campaigns just start with um I always called them like red herring quests like just to get these new characters throw them into like decision making mode um and just see how they react it's not necessarily going to be impactful on the main campaign but it gets them in their characters it gets them that backstory of like working together and whenever they come out of it at like level three um, or something like that they're not known by kings and queens but like but they have a history to pull on with each other so i think yeah no i think that's uh
0: no matter what thought of using
1: modules that way. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, my <laughs> one of my first ones was these people were getting to a city, mm-hmm. and they were just walking along the mountain path, and that's just kind of like where we started. Mm-hmm. Like they were all villagers, and they were like summoned by like some pub owner to like do a job, something mm-hmm. like that. Typical mm-hmm. stuff, but they're walking along the path. And the players weren't really interacting that much as characters because they were all new to their own character and new to each other's character. So I, so I said, all right, well, you're stuck behind a big cart full of chickens. And okay. then, like, how do you get around it? And they're like, well, maybe we don't. I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, well, now there's another big cart coming the opposite way and the two carts can't get a, like around each other then like the two like it was a chicken cart and i think a taco cart because that was the flavor of my campaign apparently
0: hey, yeah. um tacos should be in every d campaign I, i'm just saying. i feel like they should too i mean tacos um, aren't really modern if you think about it it's like no. it's just a tor- a tortilla and you know meat cheese and other mm-hmm. delicious items
1: i would love to see i mean most most i mean this is a tangent but most fantasy stereotypes are like medieval Europe I would love to see wizards and bards from like uh, Chile or Peru or like even like Mongolia like I would love to see that interpretation of fantasy rather than just like oh yeah this is what Germany looked like
0: yeah that's why I love homebrew because Mm -hmm. in my world like the dragonborn in my world would be modeled after like feudal Japan in that era where the samurai were at the highest like Imperial mm-hmm. Japan mm-hmm. And then there are, but then there are also dragonborn and Lizardmen, and, you know, and kobolds that have Mongo- Yeah, and there's, and there's, and pretty much any flair of Mongolian no. and there is, you know, because, and, and it's true, you brought up a really good point. Every, everything is Western medieval fantasy, which is mm-hmm. still cool. It's awesome, mm-hmm. but I would challenge individuals to start looking into okay if you want to branch out yeah you can do and actually this would be great S- start with something you know right start with yeah. like you know rome start with something roman maybe greek and then mm-hmm. persian and then branch out that way yeah. and start looking into the east um and, and look at even eastern european if you want to go a little bit closer to home but mm-hmm. it's still a little bit out there where you're now looking at like you know, what Poland used to be and what yes. Russia, Russia would be a great example for mm-hmm. uh, of the, and actually again, my, so, you know, I, I state all this because I joke around. I actually, my undergrads in history and in philosophy, mm-hmm. I got a double major oh, nice. and it was literally just to play D and D. I feel like all <laughs> that knowledge just for my, for Dungeons and Dragons, uh-huh. <laughs> where, you know, now it's like, okay, I have dwarves that, are very much like eastern european you know the the slavic people where they mm-hmm. and and that's and i don't mean that in an offensive way the slavic people the russian people it's a whole different culture it's yeah. it, you know and again the cold that they're in a they're in, look at siberia the people in siberia act a certain way and mm-hmm. they're extremely badass because of the cold and because of the cold everything yeah. adds into it so don't be afraid to try those things don't and like I yeah. said i would love to see a mongolian you know inspired wizard mm-hmm. that how would that act how would they would react in yeah. a world of western european influence so to speak
1: i am a huge supporter of and i'll quickly plug my instagram i do these stories called D fuel and post pictures and stuff outside of the stereotype fantasy world, like a oh, lot legit. of pictures of different cultures and stuff like that, because I do think it's super important to bring in, um, in a respectful manner and not just like, you don't want to oversimplify cultures. What I no. think, I think you the benefit they hobby. bring is how complicated they are. Yeah. And um, one thing I like about, you know, you were talking about like Siberia and the dwarves, like that brings in so many like really cool aspects. Like there were a lot of truly awesome Russian writers yeah, and absolutely. so then you could just say, you know what? Dwarves are fantastic novelists. Yep. Like you can just say, yeah, they're renowned throughout the world for a lot of their novels. Why? Because they're just stuck in the cold all the time. They have nothing else to do, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, they I think have, that brings in yeah. a lot of really interesting stuff. And You can
0: um, even bring out, sorry, because um, I, no, I just yeah. thought about this. You can bring out why they have such epic beards because mm-hmm. if they're in the cold, they had to evolve to protect their face and to yeah. keep themselves warm and whatnot so you can Mm -hmm. even bring that part up versus like a lot of the tolkienism which i love tolkien he's probably one of my you know top three you know authors yeah it it's one of those where you know tolkien yes he was inspired by his you know beliefs and whatnot and he kind of created a well he let's be honest he created a whole mythos for england like you know there yes there was the legend of king arthur but there's three or four different variations depending on if you're Welsh or if you're welsh mm-hmm. excuse me if you're scottish if you're english if you know if, if you're irish like it, it mm-hmm. if you're any of those like yeah you you have a different interpretation of king arthur mm-hmm. versus tolkien who created the you know the middle earth and that was kind of his homage to to England. Yeah. he literally wrote
1: an encyclopedia called the silmarillion and said hey this is our history yeah. our fantasy history now
0: it's there somewhere uh, in the <laughs> yeah. background. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of my go tos. It is. It's the Bible mm-hmm. essentially of that fantasy mm-hmm. and, and absolutely. So you don't have to necessarily do that because I and there's been a lot of discussion lately with you know elves and orcs and all this yeah. you know and especially in today's day and age, which again. I'm not denying or confirming because I wasn't there. Like as mm-hmm. a historian, I was not there to ask Tolkien, hey, where did you get inspiration from? Right. Um, you know, and whatever the, whatever was used to do that, he's also mm-hmm. a person of his time. Mm-hmm. He was yes. born in the, you know, he, he was a World War I veteran. I mean, he was mm-hmm. in an era where things of that nature, it was very, it was an odd time. Versus yeah. now, where there is more knowledge, and there is, you know, we've we've evolved in micro ways to learn certain things and to grow. Yeah.
1: So now there's so much more communication. Now, now, if you believe absolutely. stereotypes about groups of people, it's because you're not trying. Uh, exactly, and, and like, that, thank A you. lot of the really terrible stereotypes that were put into fantasy was purely just like, what did he know about tribes in Africa? Probably not much. Like he could have dedicated months of his life to studying it in libraries whereas now we just like Wikipedia Africa like oh that's fascinating
0: yes Um, that's a great point mm -hmm. he was the type of person I mean he had to go to a library Mm -hmm. he had to go you know whether it's Oxford or Cambridge or one of these you know Ivy what we would consider Ivy League Mm -hmm. one of these you know historically rich universities to study for a year about Saxon culture right because he was literally eating, breathing, and sleeping Saxon culture. Yes. And then Wode, you know, wodeish co- culture, W-O-A-D mm-hmm. for the folks out in the audience. Like, the Wodes who were the original inhabitants of England. Like, mm-hmm. or one of the original, the, the, and then the Picts and, and all these other, you know, people. Like, he had to do that for years versus, oh, yeah, I can go on Wikipedia mm-hmm. and Google it. Or I can yeah. Google it and Wikipedia shows this and that, and now I'm, you know, I've done 20 hours worth of research and everything's compiled here, cool. Yeah,
1: which is why I do think, and this is just uh, personal opinion, I think the onus is on us to kind of correct some of the leftover mistakes that are, like not villainized Tolkien or anyone in the past for making for sure. these mistakes and relying on stereotypes, but I do think the onus is on us to be do better. our research, because it's easy it's not hard. And then really to uh, modify kind of how we tell stories and how we talk about cultures and peoples uh, to be better.
0: Absolutely. Because um, now what it is, is just ignorance. Yes. You know, right now, it's just ignorance. And yeah. if you can Google, you know, the the latest, I don't know what, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say, if, if it's a, if you can Google the latest, you know, 2020 trucks that just came out or the latest right. gossip and news in Hollywood you can google and research yeah. at you know actual facts on yes. a certain thing so um
1: a, a similar uh, so in this conversation do you know the game uh, uh the uh i think it has a kickstarter right now called factions battleground have you oh seen my- them on instagram
0: yeah, so shout out to Factions. They yeah. they're actually they were on the podcast um, oh, cool. beforehand. They're a great group of people. Mm-hmm. They have a great they're coming out if it's not all, out already with their Kickstarter. It is some good that artwork is oh, like Oh, of course you know
1: them. Yeah, we've been working with them in, yeah, in that group. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. artwork is legit, dude. Yes.
1: And and I love that it's all culturally appropriate. Like they mm-hmm. actually if if I remember right, a lot of the artists are like draw the cult or like draw the cultures that they identify with
0: and they do the research on it mm-hmm. because the thing yeah. is, like for myself like my background you know my parents were born in Cuba so mm-hmm. yes I do know the culture very well because I grew up in it but I also like my you know I guess my thesis you would say for undergraduate mm-hmm. was specifically in you know Cuban culture and, and specifically how and well that's a whole different story but yeah um, you know, I do know the culture, and that's what mm-hmm. Factions Battleground does. And again, quick shout out to them because they they do their research, and I'm really yeah. and I really like that that yeah. they actually dedicate the time to that. They don't Absolutely. do what certain companies and people have done. And again, not to bad mouth anyone, no. but sometimes. And again, we can't bad mouth or villainize because those individuals probably were you know they were given a timeline. You, mm-hmm. You had this, you probably had this experience. You're given a timeline and you're And you're given three, you know, two out of the three options that you have to choose. You're going yeah. to do it right. You're going to do it quickly or you're going to do it, you know, efficiently or whatever. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's one of those where it's like, or you're going to do it cheaply rather. Yeah. So which one do you choose?
1: And you're usually under the gun. So yeah. absolutely. Right. gets tossed out the window and you get it done and on time.
0: Yep. And it doesn't, and it's cheap. Yeah. Like you want to make, like that's, that is the company motto and any company, no matter what civilization, yeah. whatever country you're in, whether it's, you know, the US, whether it's England, whether it's Russia, whether it's India, no matter where you're at, that's just a, that's just the norm. That's the through.
1: fact. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's not true at Dungeon Tape where everything is done write efficiently and well, or uh, on time. Whatever the triangle is, Dungeon Tape does it. Hashtag Ooh. Dungeon Tape. Well, there you go, and actually that's a great segue. <laughs> that's a great segue into Dungeon Tape, man.
0: So how did you get the idea to start that? I'm really curious.
1: uh It was back when I was DMing and mm-hmm. uh, my homebrew campaign, which was very map heavy and it was essentially it all took place in a city one of like the first dwarven cities that was lost Mm -hmm, like it was mm -hmm. an abandoned underground and lost and then like an archaeologist found it and was like hey we need you guys to like go get a bunch of magic items so like cool but it was a full city and so the whole thing was basically an an urban campaign and so i needed a way to draw walls a lot and then my players were um uh, surprising in the best ways and would like go into places that I hadn't drawn. Cool. Uh, okay. And so um, so I needed, when I was DMing, I needed a way to make walls quickly. And then I drew markers. I, I used markers to draw it on battle grids like most people do. Um, sure. I come from an architecture background and so I kind of enjoyed that. But at the okay, same time, cool at the same time when I was drawing those maps, I would draw like, all right, here's the line for the wall. And then here's the curb, obviously four and a half feet away. And then, you know, do a little double line there. And I'm like, and mm-hmm. then this is where the water is. And then it got to be where the maps, the battle maps were just a ton of lines. Uh, and like, yeah. it got to be a little too detailed. And so I started using masking tape mm-hmm. to just delineate. All right, cool. The tape is the wall. That's where you can't go. You for can't sure. go past that. For and sure. then I would draw the details in over that, and that worked fine, except I kept getting gunk all over my battle maps. Mm-hmm. And then I experiment with like electrical tape and other stuff, and never really found anything that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of in the back of my mind was thinking about, cool, there just needs to be tape that looks like walls.
0: For sure. Absolutely.
1: And then uh, stopped doing that campaign, fast- forward a couple of years. I was still thinking about that. And last probably last like Thanksgiving Christmas time uh I had some free time on a weekend and I'm like you know what screw it I'm just gonna like explore the viability of this product and see Mm if see like one see if anything like that exists two how can I make it exist and can I do that affordably and then so I spent two or three days uh searching for similar products which there's none um yeah there really isn't any no like there
0: is really nothing out there that looks like your product
1: just uh thank you yeah I'm I'm hoping that that, uh, remains for a while. Uh, but then I talked to manufacturers and kind of pulling from my background in not only architecture, but small businesses. I, I'm really used to talking to manufacturers and like, uh, trying to figure out how much this is actually going to cost, like doing the product design, doing the packaging design, stuff like that. Um, I used to run a furniture company before this. I had a furniture okay. company. It was my first small business uh, venture. Oh, cool. failed miserably, but it was fun.
0: Hey, well, fate, I mean, yeah. y- you learn a lot from failings.
1: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Anyway, so I've been rambling, but so it was all just. I started Dungeon Tape. Uh, the, I got the idea for Dungeon Tape because I needed walls quickly and easily, and I needed to make them on the fly.
0: And okay, so so you make this product. And it's kind of coming from this personal experience of like, okay, I need to make something that is going to save me time at right. the end of the day. Like yeah. you need a product that's going to save you time. So when you started that and you, I know you said you, you, you had your Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. How was the, how did you respond to the reaction of getting this Kickstarter and do in that whole process?
1: Uh, the Kickstarter. Well, I have been kind of selling it, for a few months before the Kickstarter. So I was mm-hmm. already pretty sure that people liked it. Okay. Um, I'd send it out to a few people um, in the, within the community and I was just kind of slowly introducing myself to people in the community and like getting my footing. Mm-hmm. So by, what was it, March or April, whenever I started the Kickstarter, I was already pretty sure of its viability. Uh, so I wasn't too, wasn't too worried but I used the Kickstarter as a kind of a crash course on how to digitally market. And so for me, my biggest concern was how do I, uh, like i created my branding, but how do I take that through different elements? And so it was, for me, it was more of a business uh, adventure rather than necessarily mm-hmm. the tape itself. Cause I knew the tape worked, worked pretty well and people yeah. enjoyed it.
0: You knew your product was good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then it was just, how do I concisely explain the product to people because it's not out there. I can't say, Hey, look, it's another dice tower because you don't like there's no other thing to compare that to, you know, what a dice tower is. And you're like, Oh, okay. I can see how a better one would work. But in pictures and stuff, it's just like, yeah, it, it was, it was how, how do I nail down the verbiage and explain this brand new thing to people without, um, uh, without oversimplifying it or negating what I think are its benefits, which are easy. Without to use. reducing
0: the value of your yeah. own
1: product. Yeah.
0: I absolutely understand. And so and that's
1: what the Kickstarter was for me.
0: And that's that's really good to hear because I I've seen a lot of especially in this community, I've seen a lot of positive results from mm-hmm. Kickstarter and I've seen how we just as a community pull through. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether it's yeah, whatever it may be, we pull through and we and we come together. And there's a lot of people who support Kickstarters, man, in this mm-hmm. versus in other communities.
1: I am 100% grateful to everyone who contributed to the Kickstarter. I hope they enjoy the tape that I sent out. But more than just uh, being happy that I got the money to start my company, I was like every day I was thrilled whenever I'd look at that list of Kickstarters and like recognize people from Instagram. Yeah, Be like, oh, there's that person that I talked to. And like, that's so cool that they actually, it's not empty support or like positivity. Like, they actually threw $5 my way just as, you know, whatever um, financial support because maybe this is like a venture worthwhile. Maybe this is like yeah. something that they see value in. So that was a lot of fun. I am super appreciative of the community. And, and Not just because they funded my company, but because they're great people.
0: Well, and that's the thing I, I, I feel you know, guilty about as well is because there's some that I've supported and there's some mm-hmm. that like, I've completely missed. Because at the time, it's like, yeah. you know, between buying a house and doing all the kind of adult things that you normally mm-hmm. do, like a lot of the Kickstarters that I wanted to support, it was literally during the time that I was buying a house.
1: yeah yeah. and
0: it's like I thought oh I could still support and it's like oh wait a minute like I gotta get an inspection done I gotta do all Mm -hmm. this stuff yeah and I bring that up because there's other people in the community that have that so I don't Mm -hmm. want them to think that you know I I don't want anyone to think that okay like to feel guilty
1: yeah absolutely
0: but what is a good way for folks to support um and you know especially because now you're out of the kickstarter phase Mm -hmm. like are, is there a way for folks who maybe could not support you during the Kickstarter phase, but now can, what's a good way for them to support you? Can they go online and purchase, you know, dungeon tape or. Yep. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean the number one way to support and to uh, yeah, the best support I can imagine would be someone buying some dungeon tape from my website. Okay, can, cool. Dungeontape.com. You can get there through my Instagram, which is uh, the link, link. Yeah. Those, no worries. You can find it. It's there's, only one other thing in the world called dungeon tape. And it's a, it's like a mix of metal music on cassette tapes. And then, so there's, those are, right. those are the two things that will pop up whenever you Google. But the best way to support me would be, or really anyone selling or maker or craftsman in this community is to buy their product and then promote it. And then like take okay. pictures and just say, hey, I got this thing, it's wonderful. Or like, it's really useful. Um, but I completely understand that like, times are tough right now, like 30 bucks for a box of tape is not cheap. and so if like money's tight, which it is for a lot of people, myself included, like um, just gaming the Instagram al- algorithm. For me specifically, I primarily market through Instagram. So mm-hmm. if you're looking to support uh, old Joshua Cade here, uh, just like saving pictures, sending them, like just trying to beat the algorithm is, is always useful.
0: I definitely understand that, man. I mean yeah. 30 bucks is something that for a lot of people, I mean if you think about it it's two boxes two blind boxes of minis mm-hmm. from WizKids yeah which again it's it's you know definitely like if, if cuz and I am a mini connoisseur for sure mm-hmm. but it's one of those things that I know that especially with the pandemic and everything going on I used to buy blind boxes cuz I I like the, uh, the the painted stuff I kind of like the th- it's like gambling like yeah. I get like the thrill yeah. of not knowing what I was going to get but then I realized that, you know, there's a lot of fantastic mini makers in the community. Yeah. So next time I'm going to buy minis, I'm just going to purchase that because it's supporting mm-hmm. a small business, supporting a, you know, local business, which in reality, it's the community. We're all yeah, local our community. community
1: is very local. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, you might live in a few different states away from me, but technically you're local because you're part of the community. So mm-hmm. we know each other. Yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. Um are there any size differences or anything like that with dungeon tape or can someone just kind of buy like a base set so to speak?
1: Uh there's basically uh one variant. Uh so okay, the base cool. set which is a box full of dungeon tape. Can you hold that uh, up a little
0: bit cuz that Yeah, yeah. Of course. I really so, I really please.
1: like that design by the way on the box. Thank you.
0: That's really aesthetic. Sorry yeah, for the it's... folks that are just listening. <laughs> But for watch them, that just goes you watch the video. That's really beautiful design work. I love that.
1: Thank you. It's it's been a lot of fun. Um, we can. I'll get into. We'll we'll talk about the branding because I am pretty proud of it. Uh, sure. Later, but so essentially the base pack for Dungeon Tape is this box, uh, mm-hmm. which the listeners cannot see, but I assure you, it looks very much like a box. It is a box. Yeah, and that comes with five rolls of tape, which are the basics for buildings and dungeons. Oh. And then it comes with a lot of stickers, which I don't rep as much because tape is more innovative than stickers. But it comes with stickers uh, that have that are crates, stickers that are chairs. Kinda. My focus was on the annoying things that like take time to draw. Yep. Um, so chairs and crates, those are in there. Uh, you get. I think 50 of each, if I'm remembering correctly. And, then and then exactly, also,
0: mm-hmm, I'm sorry, go ahead, sorry. No,
1: and then there's also stickers for uh, doors and windows. So whenever you put mm-hmm. the walls down, you don't have to cut at every door and window, you put the sticker over top and it just makes everything real streamlined. I like
0: that. And I was thinking this, but you know, like I said, my, my wife's a teacher and a lot of folks are homeschooling their kids mm-hmm. or they're, you know, they're virtual, whatever it may be. This would actually be a great product to have for your kids whatever yeah. age range because this is like an arts and crafts type thing but it's also creative mm-hmm. and imaginative where yeah. you also get to kind of have you can have like a lesson so to speak mm-hmm. set up a dungeon and they can you can have the kids interact and again i say kids loosely because kids could be 18 whatever Maybe yeah
1: absolutely um hey having them month. like having them like create a little campaign for your family to run through would be awesome. That would be such a good learning experience for kids.
0: And for, and for $30, you said that's the base set. Yeah. For, mean, uh,
1: yes, it's $30, 27 plus shipping, which is three. So yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, but so, th- so for 30 bucks altogether, mm-hmm. you can have something where quite honestly, especially if you're homeschooling during this pandemic time, yeah. you can absolutely run sessions and have everything you need. You don't yeah. have to invest in terrain and invest in minis. And, all, and even though that's all beautiful stuff, especially like from the education perspective, this would be great.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, I always try to make this practical. And so like, even from a storage perspective, like storing mm. terrain yep. is tough. Yeah, it is. But, like yeah. these are just little bitty rolls of tape. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can see that. Oh, that's nice. Um, but yeah, so this one is, I don't know how much you can see, but that's kind of like a cave wall.
0: Oh, okay. uh, good for like
1: dungeons and stuff. And each of these have about 33 feet. It's 10 meters long. Oh, so, nice. so play testing showed one roll of tape will net you like five to 10 buildings or like okay. three dungeons. Um, and then you get five rolls of tape in this. So you're actually getting quite a lot of, uh, use and adventures out of, out of that 30 bucks.
0: Yeah. You have a couple of sessions right there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, I call it low-stick tape, but it definitely—I've rolled it up and unrolled it. You can use, reuse the same map if your, you know, players don't work through it very quickly, which happens. For sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's the base pack, thirty dollars. For twelve more dollars, uh, you can add on what I call the wilderness add-on, which gets you a few tapes that are like more for like outdoorsy stuff. And so you get like a trail, um, a, a waterfront, just so you can delineate like here's the river or the coastline. Oh, I like that, man. Uh-huh, good. It, that was in response to just a lot of rivers and streams and then having to draw it with a sure. blue marker, like, sure. which still works, but this gives you more, uh, a really quick way of like putting it down, like, mm, actually, maybe I need to move it. You peel it back up and just stick it at, like 10 feet another direction. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, I, I hate cleaning up wet erase markers or dry erase. Like, it's it's, a it's mess, just a mess.
0: It, it's a mess. And, like, yeah. it, it works. And especially, like, mm-hmm. for the dungeon master out there who's just starting and doesn't have a lot of funds to do it. Like, honestly, oh, yeah. I, I get it. It works. But for the price of, a, you know, one of those, like, Chessex mm-hmm. maps or whatever, plus dry erase markers and all that yeah. other stuff, like, you have to get a magic eraser little type thing or a washcloth just yeah. to wash it all off. And then it, if, it, if you don't do it in time, it stick, it's just a hassle mm-hmm. and, it, yeah. and it worked for a time, but now there's products like yours that can honestly remove a lot of that. Stuff.
1: Absolutely. And uh, but yeah, so for $30, you get the box for an extra 12, you get uh, yeah, the waterline tape uh, trails, and then a wooden bridge tape. Ooh, to make some cool. Uh because everyone needs a rickety bridge to try and cross.
0: For sure, absolutely. And uh,
1: it comes with a lot of that. I'm also. It's also really good for, like, Ewok style communities when you have buildings up in the trees, oh, like kind of like stretching awesome. bridges. Like, there's so much like- tape, you can do some really
0: cool stuff with it.
1: Um, Your imagination
0: can just kind of run through because actually, I was yeah. just thinking too. Like, it's not even specific to D and D. You could use it for any really tabletop game that you oh, might absolutely. Use. Like yeah. I, I play Star Wars Legion. So first you mentioned Ewok, like that would actually be perfect because a lot of times, mm-hmm. I mean, I know for our, for our group that we, you know, that we game with, I guess you could say um, when we had uh Gen Con recently, where, mm-hmm. well, Gen Con, yeah. be, it was, it was virtual con, but we all played together and we played Star Wars Legion, man, we were using all sorts of things for terrain. Yeah. So, But again, it's because that person, that individual um, had the space to store it all. Mm -hmm. Like I I could benefit from a piece of terrain or terrain marker or terrain whatever Mm -hmm. that I can easily store, that I can really quickly just put together and -hmm. that could be used for multiple games. That's a big thing, man. That's
1: definitely one of the one of the criteria I gave myself when I was designing these tapes is it has to be versatile. Cause one of my problem, like I I love a lot of the fully rendered like maps that you can buy and print out Mm -hmm. or like even the map elements that you can put a sprinkle around. Like the artwork is great. Yeah, yeah, they're very useful, but they're very specific. Like if you have a pub, but you want it to be in a like a snowy setting, like maybe it's a pub on top of a mountain, like you're really hindered because there's green grass everywhere. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm all for theater of the imagination. I love just explaining a scenario, let people imagine it, but I feel like things like that kind of pull people out. It does. And so to that versatility, I've, one, I just wanna create the basic elements, walls, stairs, uh, wood planks for tables and whatnot. But I'm, and like just the generic stuff that can be used for anything. But I also purposefully design all of my stuff in grayscale cause, so that it doesn't detract. Okay. I could easily do brown walls or like, uh, like t- uh, rocks, like that rock tape I kind of showed you that could easily mm-hmm. have green moss and stuff on it. And For maybe sure. I'll do limited runs, but in no way do I want to detract from people's stories. The whole yeah. concept of dungeon tape is to help people get their creativity and their custom maps out easier. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not here to promote my own uh, artistic nature I'm just trying to yeah. act as a catalyst for you guys to fill in like your awesome campaigns whether it's Ewoks and Star Star Wars or uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons high fantasy. You're
0: what you what it sounds like too is like with Dungeon Tape it's it's really you're facilitating the game mm-hmm. so that folks can have more time spend more time playing than having mm-hmm. to set up you know terrain. Yeah. Unless yeah. you have a system where you can put terrain together in 5 minutes. Yeah. Right? But I don't have that system. That's mm-hmm. for damn sure. Like yeah. I don't. I, I just don't. Like I was running a game the other uh, a couple of weeks ago with mm-hmm. Cameron from the D and D Coalition, my buddy uh, Brandon from. He's actually a great. He's dungeon architect. He's uh, on Instagram. He's a great uh, terrain builder himself. Mm-hmm. We were using terrain from the game store. Shout out to Parker Banner Kent Wayne. But the thing is, it's like we had to take a break. And thankfully, mm-hmm. like people were hungry, so we kind of used a lunch break, right? To, you know, right. Switch terrain, and I made sure to set up that terrain before anything happened. But uh-huh. still, it was it was still it still detracted a little bit.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, I would love to save people time, let them get their creative creativity stuff out, and even if it's not just saving time for playing, like mm-hmm. just imagine if uh, like someone has three hours to prepare the map. Yeah like let's just say you use all three hours. You can either use all three hours to draw all of the lines, like all the walls, or you can take 10 minutes to make the walls and then use the other like two hours and 50 minutes to draw details or to like really make some good, like NPC cards or like, like really flesh it out and like fill that map full of flavor.
0: Absolutely. I absolutely agree, man. And I, and I think, I think you have a really good product, man. I really do. I think that, um, I think you're going to not only be saving a lot of people time, but you're going to have mm-hmm. people play the game, like whatever game they're playing, they're actually going to be able to play it versus, so. Oh my gosh, I got to spend this. Like, I mean, there's, I, I'm not going to lie with, you know, with my job and everything, I, I work 60, 70 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Do do what you think I really want to spend time building terrain or rather building a map for something? No, I want to play. Yeah. So if I can just put something together put it on the map or put it on the place where I'm Mm going to, you know, where we're traveling or doing whatever, and it's going to come to life. You got my vote. Yeah.
1: And, and I want it to essentially like, if you, you know, you've worked 60 hours a week and you're going to like DM your game, let's just say you're driving over there. Like if you have an idea in the car, like I want you to be able to do that. like if you have like oh shit maybe the building needs to be like needs to have a secret spot in the basement where they're torturing people like that would be perfect like i want you to be able to build that on the fly and not have to like redo all of like your 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 drawings or like turn around and go home to get that other piece of terrain stuff like that
0: because there's that there you everyone's had that moment where Mm -hmm. you have created you know this awesome scenario And even, you know, while you're driving, you're like, huh, how can I add to it? Right. Even better. You're at the, you're going to the game store, especially now. Maybe a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't, maybe a lot of people don't feel comfortable playing in, you know, in the house Mm -hmm. because it's kind of tight quarters. Yeah. So what you do, you go to your local game store. You also say, you know what? Also good place. We can spread out. We can socially distance, still play the game. And we're supporting our our local game store. Awesome. Yep. You get to the game store and what happens? Oof, they don't have the terrain that I thought they would have. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my gosh, And I must have forgotten this really important piece that I thought I was going to use mm-hmm. between my normal day of living. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You, get, you, you say, oh, I have this tape. You can add it yeah. to whatever you're going to do. And it's right there. It solves yep. the
1: problem. It solves the problem. It's quick to use. Uh, no explanation. It's not like when I was using masking tape and I had to like remind my players every five minutes, like, no, the tape is a wall guys. Yep. It's a wall. Like this stuff is clearly a wall. And so like it cuts out not only the making time, but like the time explaining like what's on the map in front of them.
0: Yep. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And I, and I really, that's why I really love the idea, man. I really love the product. Thank you. And, and again, I that. so they can go to dungeon. So folks can go to dungeontape.com, mm-hmm. and they can go ahead and buy however much tape and i mean this is not only a great gift for yourself uh treat treat yourself as they say yeah. but it's a great gift for your dungeon master your absolutely players, as players you can pull together you know for 30 yeah that's, that's you know, easy you if it you you could put 5 bucks everyone together and you can gift that for your for mm-hmm. your gaming table
1: I actually just had a group order one for me. I'm not going to give any names because I don't know if it's there yet. I just shipped it yesterday, okay, but okay. I had a fantastic D and D group. They, they ordered a box with the, with the wilderness add on. And then like, they, they wrote me a nice little note that sounded like, Hey, this is a, a present for our DM. Like, can you please like, you know, like uh, don't put any prices on it. And also they gave me this little note to print and put oh, in the package. Me. And so um, I hope they like it. I kind of spent, a lot of time drawing like it's made on parchment with like a big dagger stuck in it and so oh, had their little typed yeah. up note and stuff yeah I, I really enjoyed that so so yeah so shout out to those people and, and if anyone does want to gift their dm like just put a note on the purchase or shoot me an email saying that like hey i bought this and it's a gift and like yeah we'll do something special for them because i i love that and that's what the community is about man yeah absolutely we, we
0: would absolutely do that on the contrary we would love to do that Mm -hmm. For folks in the community and it's just and it's it's we're not like other communities that you order something and you don't get you know you almost feel like a number Mm -hmm. we're not like that man
1: yeah no this is this is a great community and the amount of attention that everyone like gives to each other and like to their craft is unbelievable and so yeah if you order dungeon tape it's not like some dude on a forklift picking it off a shelf like it's me in my living room and i would like more than happy to print out your thing on my little home printer and and put a note in there like it's a lot of fun it's
0: personal that's legit man I really that's for sure that that's something that I it, it brings me joy to hear that because I really like seeing you know not only folks within the community succeed but hearing those little stories especially during yeah. this year man like this year has been really tough for everyone yeah and just seeing those little bits of humanity and we often forget that. We often mm-hmm. forget it's the little actions that make us who we are.
1: And I think uh, kind of circling back to kind of where we started, like that's why keeping this community tight knit and positive, mm-hmm. but also grounded in reality is so important right now because it's a, it, I think it's an important like little ecosystem to maintain, For which sure. everyone's doing easily and really well at, but it's, it's a nice respite from The hard times we're all facing in the regular world like it's nice to come to this bubble and like have like positivity and acceptance and like seeing like what cool things people are doing like whenever i'm stressed out about finding jobs and stuff like that
0: yeah it's i don't know if you've ever read the percy jackson series but um there there's a so basically the percy jackson series is a series really good book series i recommend it to anyone Mm -hmm. Um, especially I actually just reread the series just to kind of get that bit of inspiration. Yeah. I'm actually reading Dune now. So that's going to be a whole nice. different, that's yeah. a whole different topic, but uh-huh. um, it remind the, our community reminds me of what's called Camp Half-Blood, which it's basically where all the demigod children, the sons and daughters of all the Greek gods where they mm-hmm. live, where it's a tight knit community. Everyone knows each other. But the realism of the world and the monsters that they fight is still present. However, mm-hmm. they still include everyone, and that's kind of nice. how I see and how I wish to, you know, continue with our gaming community is to say, you know, let's let's pay our respects to the old to, to the old school uh, gamers who mm-hmm. paved the way for us. Because in reality, yeah. if it wasn't for the guys and gals and uh, and everyone in between. You know, old school gamers in the in the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. they paved the way for us. If they if it yep. wasn't for them, we would not be where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, their fervent acceptance of anybody and everybody is and, is, and, is like what yeah it was the foundation of our community. Now,
0: yep, and and a lot of and I know a lot of people who would argue that, and they mm-hmm. would say, well, there's some people who want. Things to be kept a certain way and therefore sure. they don't want change well that's one that's going to be everywhere but two yeah you know they're wanting to keep things the way it is because in their time they dealt with a lot of crap mm-hmm. yeah and it, this was their escapism this yeah. was their way of escaping and they had a harder time than most others today mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. in today's age in my opinion it's easier to say that, oh yeah, I play D&D and no one looks at you weird. Right, yeah. You know, or you play, you know, there there are people who stream right now who play video games, right? Let's say, you know, you mm-hmm. play World of Warcraft. I know plenty of people who pl- who were the OG, like Warcraft players and, mm-hmm. you know, what we consider now, you know, classic. And they were playing that at a time where, you did not publicly say that same thing with i mean same thing with comic books i collected yeah. comic books for a long time i did not publicly say that because i just didn't want to open that can of worms
1: yeah when people are like what did you do last night you're like nothing nothing Sit at home i didn't read comic books i didn't play wow i just yeah. sat at home it was i yeah. did cool things
0: with my cool friend people. And i didn't have a sleepover and what we did is just primarily <laughs> you know play access yeah. and allies and and read mm-hmm. comic
1: books yeah
0: yeah what are you talking about
1: right yeah no it's it's um we we certainly stand on the shoulders of people of some very big people for like, sure absolutely
0: and and they're not all saints you know the obviously like there, there's a mix of people but mm-hmm. this is what the community is about is to be mm-hmm. inclusive to honor honor our past while really paying paying it forward to the next generation
1: yeah there's uh I mean, you even said the word generation. There's a theory that I think about a lot and refer back to mm-hmm. uh, when I'm, when I'm like, talking politics and stuff, but it's this theory of generational progress. Mm, okay. like, every generation wants to make the world a slightly better place. And I think that's yeah. true even on a small scale like with this community. Like, we, we see and acknowledge what people have done and we just want to take it another step. And, and I, I like, like that idea of generational progress because it doesn't negate the previous generations.
0: No, and it shouldn't. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's gener- I would even say it's generational evolution. Like, yeah. this yeah. is what happens. It is just natural to evolve because mm-hmm. we learn from our parents. We learn from their mistakes. Look at the job culture. Look mm-hmm. at the, you know, our parents' generation. And I know for myself as being, you know, being the son of immigrants, like, or rather, um, actually refugees would actually be the appropriate word yeah being the son of refugees like my parents are the type of people that say you work hard Mm -hmm. put your head down and work hard yeah you know whatever come you know work for the company for 20 years show them loyalty yada 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 Mm -hmm. it's a very Mm -hmm. generational thing and it's going to be stronger in immigrants and refugees that's just it but our generation and this and covid proved it you should work at a place how, you know, work, what do the job that's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy it, if it's your passion, if you love it, if you live and breathe it, you wake up the next day and you say, I can't believe this is my job. I'm so happy. That's what you should be doing. And that's, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, that's part of the evolution of, of, of people. That's what mm-hmm. you get from a different generation. Like, our grandparents' generation could not afford quite literally our great grandparents and our grandparents could not afford to do that because they had to provide food yeah. to their family. You know, yep. if, if, if they served in World War II or beforehand, they just had to survive and put food on the table and everything else. Even their feelings had to be suppressed. There
1: were no other options. It was eat or don't eat. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And when they grew up like that, You know, our parents' generation said, well, you know, we saw how loyalty works, and that's a good thing, but we're going to do this, and they Mm -hmm. changed a little, and then now we're changing, and then even the younger generation is saying, you know what, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to (laughs) be a a, a streamer when I grow up, and we never thought of that growing up. I know I didn't. No, not at all so you didn't think you were going to be a
1: podcaster when you when you were growing up man That's i thought what...
0: i thought I was going to be a pokemon trainer to be honest to <laughs> be honest like um and, i'm laughing
1: in support of you not at you
0: no no it's fine <laughs> i is built to become a pokemon master uh-huh one no. day one day maybe you when don't... i'm an old man and they finally created pokemon mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: You'll have a little shack on an island and be like the old man Pokemon master.
0: Mm -hmm. Kids from
1: all over the world will come to your island and challenge you to Pokemon fights.
0: And then my wife's going to be like, stop doing this shit. Right. You're retired.
1: Yeah. Your wife will still be teaching and changing lives, and you're catching a bunch of Pokemon. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Hell yeah, man. That's the dream right there, dude. I'm just saying. I'm in she she can handle the actually changing people's lives mm-hmm, i just want mm-hmm. to play
1: pokemon i just want to catch pokemon that's nothing it. wrong with that that's it bro. Build, a, build a positive community around it
0: <laughs> yeah
1: exactly man yeah, but but dude
0: you, i appreciate you coming on to the show man it's uh, been thank great. you so much um dude you're welcome anytime and folks listening be sure to check out DungeonTape.com. um are you're on instagram correct as dungeon yep. tape um yep so just please, search for it it'll pop up i was gonna say search for it go follow um i'll put the link down below for the dun- for dungeon Tape.com, for your instagram go follow go check out the website it's good stuff if you do enjoy that type of terrain honestly and if you really just enjoy saving some time this is going to be great but folks i appreciate you listening if you haven't already go ahead and leave a five-star review. This actually helps the channel. It helps build the channel and it actually helps Apple show that people are interested in gaming podcasts and nerdy podcasts. So that even helps the community out more. So leave a five-star review. Be sure to subscribe and follow us. Love one another. And as always, keep gaming.